Where does hell exist on earth? Is the question that I will answer by the end of this show. Hello and welcome to the third episode of The More You Know Mondays. The more you know, the more you grow. This week on the show, I'm going to be talking about Olive Morris. But before I get into that, you know what we have to do to start the show, start the week off nice or whenever you listen to this. We have to start with the Monday Affirmations. Now, this week, my quote, um, it doesn't have an author, because I couldn't find the author. I I searched forever online, and I just couldn't find it. There was just, like, loads of Pinterest shares and posts of it, and I was like, oh, fair. It's a popular quote, but anyway, the quote goes like this. Nothing is a coincidence. Everything you're experiencing is meant to happen exactly how it is happening. Embrace the lessons be grateful. Now, I love this quote, and I find it pretty motivational, just because of the fact of, let's take in parts, like the first part, nothing is a coincidence. I like that because sometimes when you're existing in life, it feels like things just happen, and sometimes things happen out of coincidence, and you're like, oh, I wasn't expecting that to happen, but usually there's, uh, what's the word? Like there's, there's things in the background happening. Like, uh, I've been, I've just finished reading The Alchemist by Paolo Chialo, who was the author of the quote from last week's episode. And there is a beautiful part inside of the book where they talk about, or it says, um, that when you have a dream, the whole world kind of conspires to help that dream come into fruition. So with that whole uh, concept, the idea that nothing happens, nothing happening is a coincidence really becomes powerful to me because if when you have a dream or an idea and you put it into motion where you you've actually taken it from the page or taken it from your brain into action and you're actually moving it and doing it then it it kind of feels like because you're you've got this energy and you're focusing it in that one direction it's as if everything supporting or around you is kind of supporting what you want to do or you might uh, perform something and people get what you're saying when you didn't think that no one would even understand what you're saying kind of thing so that global understanding is what i think it it more comes down to and then the second part everything your experience is meant to happen everything you're experiencing is meant to happen exactly how it's happening that part can kind of seem maybe a bit hard to hear at first and it's understandable what if what's happening to you right now is something negative and all I can say to that is try and combat the negative with positive 
and of course with all situations that's really hard maybe and probably easier said than done in some places but it's the best kind of thing you can combat the negative outcome with is positive thinking or a positive onlook or outlook on what you're going to be doing next or how you're going to formalize your next plan um because when you're when when you're in a place of things are going badly and you repeat the same feeling of things are going badly you end up repeating and staying in the place of everything's going badly because there's this great phrase or saying that the definition of insanity is repeating the same thing over and over and seeing no results no different no changes like so if you're repeating doing this combating what's happening to you with the same uh energies and you're seeing the same energies repeated then what do you need to do you need to change up your energies so that you're pro you're projecting something different so that you can uh receive and attract something different um and uh, embrace the lessons be grateful be grateful that you're alive um regardless of your circumstances um the, life is a struggle um you could be rich or poor and life is a struggle there's a there's this great line or i think it's great anyway <laughs> from a poem that i'm writing if i can find it that goes like this struggle is the flame that forges your soul into steel if the furnace isn't working then the fire won't wield um and yeah i think that's just kind of sums up life if if you if there's no struggle or like i always have this saying before i perform or anything like that if i don't feel nervous it kind of feels like it's not worth it. if if i'm still if i'm too comfortable in my surroundings then it just kind of feels like not that i'm drowning i wanted to say drowning because it rhymes <laughs> but it kind of feels like not that i'm not achieving but i'm coasting and i'm not challenging myself um and of course if you come to a place where you don't need to challenge yourself that's great but i feel like i'm in a place where i need to constantly challenge myself um to get to bigger and higher places or do more um but yeah that was the monday motivations affirmations even motivations affirmations whatever you take from them i hope um you find it useful for your day or however you use it because it's just important to me that you start off the week right and fresh you know you take on everything as a lesson embrace your life be happy love yourself and i think that's a a um a one a point that i will talk more about loving yourself cuz um i feel like i might love myself a bit too much but at the same time is that 
even a thing. Can I love myself too much? No, of course I can't. Um, because I am myself. When I'm left alone with my thoughts, it's my thoughts. So I better love my thoughts. Otherwise, I'm going to be tortured by my own thoughts, which is horrible. I'll just be sat there tortured, not being able to move forward. Um, but yeah, if you don't love yourself, how do you expect to love anyone else? Um, because for most things, you, you need to start at home. My mum's always saying to me, like, when she says things to me, it's better that I tell you than you be out on road and one of your friends embarrasses you. You know? So, with that in mind, it's, it's better you start from inside and love yourself before you go out there and try and love other people. Um, but I think that's a really important thing. Love yourself. Because when there isn't anyone out there that does love you or other than your family, I mean, if you're, you're single and you don't have a partner, when there is no one that loves you like that, then you have to love yourself. Because there's no one else. But I'll leave Monday affirmations there. And keep it moving onto the episode. Which we will be... Uh, where we will be. <laughs> I got there in the end. Where we will be talking. Or I will be talking. About Olive Morris. So the reason why I wanted to talk about this lady. Is... um. She first came into my scope of knowledge on, uh, what was the date? It was the 26th of June, 2020. And I went on to Google to do a search and I saw this Google wall graffiti with Olive Morris's face in the wall. And I clicked on it. I was just like, yo, what's this? Um, and then I scrolled down and I saw that she was born in Jamaica and then she moved to London. And I thought, well, this is something that I don't see every day. I don't often click on the Google doodles and find or see a person that is so relatable to me. I definitely need to do some more research into this person. So on just the overview from Wikipedia, what they show on Google, it said... Um, some interesting things. It says that she was a Jamaican-born community leader, an activist in Britain, British feminist, a, a feminist, uh, sorry, an activist in the British feminists, um, a black nationalist and squatters' right campaigner of the 1970s. So I was just like, oh, this, this is hella interesting. Let me, let me look deeper into her. So as I was doing my Dalvigin, I found out more. I found out that Olive Morris was born in 1952 in Harewood, St. Catharines, Jamaica. Um, she was, I mean, well, her and her family was part of the Windrush generation. So they um, emigrated to England when she was about nine years old. She had three brothers and two sisters and she lived in South London for most of her life. Um, 
it's most interesting for me that she was um she was only alive or with us on this earth for 27 years but she achieved like so many things while she was alive that i thought that more people should really know about her if you have if you don't already like as i was saying she was only alive for 27 years but she fought for black women's rights in britain um she raised awareness for inequalities um by traveling and writing and organs and organizing protests and setting up support groups like she was amazing so the first account where she does something which is quite inspiring for me just reading it is um a nigerian diplomat uh, whose name was clement gomwalk he was visiting um the first black record shop in brixton which is called desmond's hip shop or hip city sorry and uh while he was leaving and going to his car the uh, police confronted him and accused him of stealing the car that he was about to get into obviously he tried to tell them that look i'm a nigerian diplomat that's uh this is my car but obviously in the this was in 1969 so i guess things were a little different between black people and the police um not that they're uh they're still a bit touch and go right now but obviously things were much worse in the 60s so after they um they arrested him under sus law. They dragged him out of his car, which happened to be a Mercedes. So surprise, surprise. It's like the same thing that you see nowadays. Um, a black guy driving a nice car and the police will pull him over or her over, uh, because they want to know who it, this black guy is driving this such a nice car. Um, he couldn't just be a diplomat, could he? Um, no, he, he had to be stealing the car. So the police officers uh, beat him up. And while they were beating him up, there was this huge crowd of people that formed around to witness this brutal attack of this Nigerian diplomat. At the time, there was uh, a local journalist who was in the area, and she stated that Olivia Morris broke through the crowd um, and scuffled and with the police officers and tried to stop them from beating up the Nigerian. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, this backfired on her because uh, the police retaliated by beating her up as well uh and the whole thing happened when she was only 17 years old now obviously when the event the situation rather escalated um it was because the crowd were blowing up about the treatment of the nigerian diplomat and how you know the police were dragging um 
Morris and beating her up and stuff like that. Well, she was just screaming, I've done nothing. Um, what, what's going on? Uh, the, the most, the weirdest thing that I found from the research is that, or not even the weirdest thing, the most interesting, it's not most interesting, uh, another interesting thing from the attack was that she was beaten up by the police, which was horrible, but also when they were beating her up, she, she was obviously telling them that she was a female, she was a girl, but because she had short hair, but the officers didn't believe her and they continued to beat on her. It even goes further to say that on Olive Morris's own account, she describes her treatment in prison to be even more disgusting in the sense that they they forced her to prove that she was a real woman. And there's even reports that she was threatened with rape. With that being said, her brother described her injuries from the incident and said that he could hardly recognize her face, that she was beaten so badly uh, when she was arrested. Uh, she was also fined £10 and given a suspended sentence. Um, the charges were assault on the police, threatening behavior and, possess and possession of a dangerous weapon. Um, and possession of the dangerous weapons. Though in the early 70s, uh, Morris became a member of the youth section of the British Black Panther movement, which was later named the Black Workers Movement. Uh, this was also alongside Linton, Kwesi Johnson, and Clovis Reed. If you're not aware or you don't know who Linton Kwesi Johnson is, then if you've seen The Crown, he's he's in the episode of The Crown. And also he is a Jamaican dub poet and activist um, who has been based in the United Kingdom since 1963. Interesting, probably not very well-known fact, but he became the second living poet um, and the only black poet to publish in Penguin's Modern Classic series. So, uh, it's possible. Anything's possible. That's all I can say. Uh, I will put a clip from uh, one of his poems uh, that I found on YouTube while doing some research about him. It's called England is a Bitch. And I think a lot of people will probably be able to relate to it. <laughs> when me just come to London town, me used to work on the underground. But working on the underground, you don't get to know your way around. England is a bitch. There's no escape in it. England is a bitch. There's no running away from it. Me get a little job in a big hotel, and after a while, me was doing quite well. Them start me off 
as a dishwasher. But when me take a stock, me not turn clock watcher. England is a bitch. There's no escape in it. England is a bitch. Nobody try to hide from it. When them give you the little witch packet, first them rabbit with them big tax racket. You have to struggle to make ends meet. And when you go to your bed, you just can't sleep. England is a bitch. There's no escape in it. England is a bitch for true. I no lie me a tell a true. Me used to work dig ditch when it cool no bitch. Me did strong like a mule, but boy me did fool. Then after a while me just stopped the overtime. Then after a while me just put on me tool. England is a bitch. There's no escape in it. England is a bitch. You have to know how to survive in it. Well, me do day work and me do night work. Me do clean work and me do dirty work. Them say that black man is very lazy. But if you see how me work, you would have said me crazy. England is a bitch. There's no escape in it. England is a bitch. You better face up to it. Them have a little factory up in a broccoli. In a this your factory, all them do is pack crockery. For the last 15 years, them get me labor. Now after 15 years, me fall out of favor. England is a bitch. There's no escape in it. England is a bitch. There's no running away from it. Me know say them have work, working abundant. Yet still, they make me redundant. Now at 55, me getting quite old. Yet still, them send me for go draw a duel. England is a bitch. There's no escape in it. England is a bitch for true. Is where we are going to do about it. So I think it's another key point to say that the British Black Panther movement was inspired by the Black Panther movement in America, but they were not affiliated with them. Uh, though in 1972, I found that... Uh, Olivia Morris and one of her friends, they planned to visit the American Black Panther leader, Eldred Cleaver, who was living in Algeria on the run from an attempted murder charge. But on their travels to Algeria, they became stranded in Morocco. So it never happened, but it could have. They made plans. They made actions. Um, but they didn't plan for the unplannable. <laughs> you can't plan for the unexpected. So, Olivia Morris also co-founded the Brixton Black Women's Group in 1974, which her and other members of this group rallied to critically explore the experiences of women in the Black panther movement basically the overall purpose of 
the group was to raise consciousness so the women could communicate with each other and talk about their daily lives, putting this understanding into a political framework. So what they did was to try and make more of a pushback for there to be more transparency and unity in their community. Eventually, the group dissolved, but then it separated into smaller, more specific groups that focused on increasing the awareness of the black struggle. Before this, though, in 1973, uh, she was a big supporter in squatting in Brixton. She participated in lots of other activities, um, which also included squatting in buildings. Uh, but it was for a good cause. It was to establish self-help community spaces. Um, the, her most fam- famous, she's most famously known for squatting in 121 Rattling Road in Brixton with her friend Liz Obi, which is the same friend that she traveled to Algeria with, well, not Algeria. She tried to get to Algeria or they tried to get to Algeria, but ended up in Morocco. So this squat became a hub of political activism and hosted community groups such as black people against state harassment. Um, the building where the squat was situated was also the site for or the site of the first black community bookshop in Brixton which is known as or which is called or which was called Saba Bookshop which remained in that location for a while before moving on elsewhere after it was no longer a space for Saba Bookstore. It was known as 121 Central. And 121 Central is or was a squatted, self-managed social centre in Brixton, which started in 1981 and continued until 1999. Uh, it was an anarchist social centre, uh, the venue hosted a bookshop, a cafe, info shop, library, meeting spaces, office spaces, painting facilities, and rehearsal spaces. Which is pretty cool. I didn't even know that place had existed. It's also interesting to state that she didn't just stay in London. No, 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 no. Olivia Morris also travelled and studied at Manchester University between 1975 and 1978. And don't think that her going to university stopped any of her activism because she just kept it moving, she kept it going, she just moved to a new city and just picked back up again. So while she was away from London and in Manchester, she co-founded the Manchester Black Women's Cooperation and the Black Women's Mutual Aid Group, with activists in Manchester such as Kath Locke and 
Eloise Edwards. She also helped to establish a a supplementary school after campaigning with local black parents for better education provisions for their children. So this, this amazing woman just kept the energy going everywhere she go everywhere everywhere she i just see a common through line through her whole story that everywhere she goes and if she sees injustice she's not just sitting there and just uh they didn't have twitter back in those days so there was no oh, i'm gonna tweet about it now she was out there seeing what the problem was finding out how she can fight against it and fighting back because she saw the injustice and she saw where she could make a difference, where she could inspire other people to make a difference or make positive changes within her community, which is beautiful. And not enough people are doing that within the community. So we need to see more of that. And the fact that she was able to achieve so much and make this, make her life ripple into affecting all these other people's lives including mine um i'm just grateful but amongst all of the amazing things that she was able to achieve uh, another one of the mind-blowing facts for me about olivia morris is that she was a founding member of the Organization of Women of African and Asian Descent, which has the anagram of OWAAD in London. And with her founding this, the OWAAD held their first conference in the, or at the Abeng Center on Gresham Road in Brixton. This center was a place that Olivia Morris helped to establish alongside Eileen Holness and other members of the community. If you do take away anything from everything that or anything that I've been babbling on about for the last 20 minutes, please take this away. Along the AWAAD, which is the Organization of Women of African and Asian Descent, and the Brixton Black Women's Group were the first organizations for black women in the United Kingdom. The first ever organizations to ever be established. Olivia Morris was part of that. Now, unfortunately, Olivia Morris, like I've been saying throughout the whole of this episode uh she was taken away from us too soon and she became ill um during a during a trip to spain which was in 1978 when she returned to london she was diagnosed with non-hodgkin lymphoma which is if i'm not mistaken a form of cancer Yeah, it's a a form of blood cancer. So she was diagnosed with non 
um, Hodgkin lymphoma, uh, lympho- lymphoma, lymphoma, sorry. Uh, and she underwent treatment, which was unsuccessful, unfortunately. And she died on the 12th of July, 1979, at St. Thomas Hospital in Lambeth and was buried in Streatham Valley Cemetery when she was 27 years old. Gone way too soon, but she established and achieved so much in her short time. That story and her life gives me not only more life, but it gives me mad amount of motivation because it lets me know that it doesn't matter how long you're here for. It's just about the things you do. Because if you do some great things. You will be remembered. And. Like all good people. Or great people that are remembered. Olivia Morris is. No different. So Lambeth Council. Um, have named one of their key buildings after her and they did this in 1986 uh, they named the building after the Brixton riots which happened the previous year which would have been 1985 <sighs> quick maths um, and it was triggered by the shooting of Cherry Cross by police while searching for her son Michael Cross in connection with a firearms offence but yeah like, I'm going to go into that more with more detail on another episode so stay checked for that um, it's also interesting to state that uh, Olivia Morris is depicted on the Brixton one pound note uh, which is the local currency of Brixton, which is a cool fun fact that Brixton have their own local currency, which was established in or started on the 17th of December 2009. The notes that they have available are the Brixton £1 note, the Brixton £5 note, the Brixton £10 note, and the Brixton £20 note. Uh, Every single note that they have depicts a different famous Brixtonian celebrity. Um, so they have Olive Morris and they also have the late David Bowie on one of their Brixton notes, Brixton pound notes rather. Another fun fact from Brixton, since we've been talking about Brixton and London for this whole episode we can move on to another fun fact, which is Brixton's Tate Library was the first free public library in London. It was built in 19, sorry, not 19, 1893. And it was a gift from Sir Henry Tate, who, if you are not familiar or of this man he is the guy who established the Tate galleries so another fun fact about Brixton is that 
at least nine cinemas opened in in the Brixton area between 1910 and 1915. Some of the cinemas were situated in railway arches and later closed on safety grounds. But it is cool to know, or it's another fun fact, that the Ritzy Cinema is the sole survivor of the nine cinemas that opened in the Brixton area in the nine between 1910 and 1915. That's pretty cool, right? So if you've been to the Ritzy, that you're literally going to history. (laughs) And my final fact for Brixton will be um, that Electric Avenue, which was built in eight, in the 1880s, was the first market street to be lit by electricity. The road gave its name to Eddie Grant's 1983 single, Electric Avenue. Electric Avenue. Da, 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 da. Ah, cease. <laughs> So yeah, fun fact. Electric Avenue was the first market to be lit by electricity. And also uh, a hit song by Eddie Grant. (laughs) So now let's answer the question that I posed for you guys at the start of the episode. Where does hell exist on Earth? Now... It's usually just a fun phrase that people say, oh, my days, hell is on earth, or uh, hell always freezes over. But would it surprise you to know that there is actually a village in southern Norway, which is actually called hell, and it actually freezes over every winter? (laughs) Fun fact that hell actually translates in Norwegian... Or the word hell actually means luck in Norwegian. But obviously, to us English speakers, it's uh, a whole different ball game. It's a small little sleepy post town, this small town of hell <laughs> in Norway. It's located in an area known as Hellir in Old Norse. The population of hell is. <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> uh, it sounds like a TV show that's waiting to be created if it hasn't already been. So the population of hell is just under 1,500 people. And although the sleepy town gets an consid- a considerable amount of visitors, obviously, who want to visit hell? Who, who doesn't want to visit hell if you can visit hell on earth? <laughs> Stopping by the train station, hoping to get uh, snaps of themselves under the infamous station sign. Hell. <laughs> hell station. You've arrived. <laughs> I get the joke now. They say that you shouldn't laugh at your own jokes. But what if you find them funny? Is it not okay to laugh? What if there's no one else here to laugh with me? I gotta laugh. (laughs) So, there you go. (laughs) Maybe I just made that more or less funny. More or less. Unless. Less funny. (laughs) 
<laughs> Jeez. Anyway, maybe it's a maybe it'd be an interesting or maybe it's just a quite a fitting point, but there are no churches in the city of hell or the town of hell, sorry. Um <laughs> Fortunately, the churches are found in outside of the village on the south side of the river. But who would have thought that hell was actually a place on earth? So when you say that phrase, hell on earth, just know that you're actually talking about a real place and you're not just using a turn of phrase. It's a real place. It exists. Hell in Norway and I really want to go and visit that place. Just to say that I visited hell on earth. <sighs> but anyway, that's what I'm going to call the end of the episode. So I hope that you have enjoyed the third episode of The More You Know Mondays. Uh, this week, where we have been talking about Olivia Morris... Please do more research about Olivia Morris if you found any of this interesting because there's much more about her than I've en than I've mentioned and more people should just research into things and find out about interesting people because it's cool and you learn more about yourself by learning about other people and seeing what they've experienced and seeing what they're going through and then <coughs> you may be see how there's correlations or similarities in your life or how you can relate to that struggle or that fight and how you can adapt it into your own life. So I hope the knowledge that I have shared with you today has empowered you as much as it empowered me. <laughs> and if you've enjoyed the show please do subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or YouTube or wherever you listen to the podcast. Please follow us on social media if you've enjoyed the show. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at My Opinion Means. And uh, drop us a DM if you have anything to say. Um, um, my DMs are open. I think they are. I don't know. <laughs> you can message me and I will reply. Um, give us a shout uh, if you want to get shouted out in the episode yeah I'll do that <laughs> um, but yeah if you enjoyed the show please let me know and share it so other people can hear it uh, yeah that's the end and next week on the show I will be talking about you know what I'll let you guys just wait until next week and until then, have a wonderful week and goodbye.